Brother Jim. Amen. Come on. Good, good. <clears throat> Isn't that a good hope to have, though? That we can stand in confidence on the promises of our God who loves us and who has never failed us. Thank you, Jim, for leading us this evening. Um, this evening we're going to be in Psalm chapter 33, and I'm so glad to be with you this evening to, to share not only this word with you, but also to share in worship with you and fellowship with you. Thank you for coming out in the storm. Uh, my wife and I, you know, hailing from Texas, we didn't see much rain, so we're actually thankful. I'm sure you may not be uh, to see as much as we have recently, but we enjoy it and love it and, uh, and are glad to see it. But this evening we're going to be in Psalm chapter 33, starting in verse 13. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 33, verse 13. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where He sits enthroned, He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of all of them and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot be rescued. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their souls from death and keep them alive in famine. Our souls await for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him, because he trusts, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us as we hope in you. Let us pray, dear Lord. As we gather here this evening, Lord, let this not just be another thing on the checklist that we do. God, let each of us, including myself, God, expectantly wait upon your truth. God, may we leave here impacted and changed by your truth, by no word of man, by no show of man. God, simply by your truth that is in your word. God, thank you for each that has come. God, thank you for my strength and my help this day. Lord, we love you and praise you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So a few weeks ago, um, my wife and I, as many of you know, traveled home because of uh, a need of our family. We lost a niece. She was born 25 weeks early and uh, lived a short 16 hours and uh, then went home to be with the Lord. And so my wife and I uh, went home to go spend time with our family. But on that Sunday, I got a text from my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. And they asked me to do one of the hardest things up until this point in my life that a young 30 years old that I've ever had to do. And he asked me to be a part of the service for my niece, Ava. And of course, I told him I would, that I was honored. But I would be lying if I told you that in that moment, 
I was completely lost and confused. Because even though they were family, it still didn't change the fact that I had no idea what to say. I had no idea where to go. You can ask Matt. I was lost. There's nothing that I can say, nothing that I can do, and I wrestled for a week, and it was even that Monday morning. I was still wrestling with the Lord, and I said, God, I'm not mad. I just simply don't know. God led me to Psalms. He led me earlier in that week, and I'd been camped here in Psalm 33. Little known fact, I, I love the Psalms. It's one of my favorite books, especially in the Old Testament. I love the rawness that we find in its truths. And, and ask the question, God, why? Not that why was going to fix anything. I just, I just didn't know where else to start. So God began to speak to me and reveal things to me, and we go to the service. And I stand up, and I read the entirety of Psalm 33. And I looked at my family, and I said, there's a question that we all ask when things like this happen. And it's why. I could stand here and articulate to you a fantastic answer to why. I could give you references, I could give you definitions, I could give you all these wonderful words, but the reality of it is, is one, I would be wrong. Because I don't. And two, why does not change your reality? But what I do know, is there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. Do we know what Lamentations is? Do we know what that book is? In that book, it's an entire book dedicated to the expression of grief and sorrow to God. It's a book dedicated to the expression of why. 2,234 2, words in one book dedicated to asking God and pouring out in our lack of understanding of why. Because after why comes the what now? God, what do I do now? And not only what do I do now, but how do I do it? But it's not just the how, it's often the when. You know, in life, we remember when those types of things happen to us. I remember when I failed my first math test. Because I didn't get chocolate ice cream that night. We remember when things happen, but see, there's a difference. Because if you look in the news today, the world reminds us of when things went wrong. And the news is littered with reminders of what history has done and what we've done in the past, of our failings. But see, there's a difference for believers. I can't give you the why, I can't even give you the what now or the how, but I can tell you what comes after the when. And that's the where. Where does our hope lie? And that's in Jesus. And as believers, our focus must always be on the where. Not just for ourselves, but for the world. Because they're watching. 
As we watched them, they also were watching. In verse 13, rather, the Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all the children of man. Where he sits enthroned, he looks out on the inhabitants of the earth. Now, when I read this, I picture two things. One thing is I picture God sitting on his throne. And not just sitting on his throne, but how many of us have seen the Lion King? We've seen the Lion King? All right, awesome. It's one of my favorite movies, um, even to this day. Don't judge me. And one of my favorite moments is when Simba's father takes him up on the rock and he shows him everything that the light touches. And he tells him, everything that the light touches is yours. And he could see as far as the eye could see and everything. He could see everything that was happening. God can see everything that we do, and not just the physical seeing. See, we hear this and we think, okay, I get it. God's in heaven. He's all-knowing. He's all I get, I get that. I understand that. But this isn't just a sea of the physical. He sees you for who you are. There was an old uh, story, an old joke that was, that was once told to me, and I cannot remember where or how I heard it. But this, this gentleman was telling me this joke. He said there was a, a robber, and he breaks into this house one night. He, he had been watching the house. He knows the people had left, so he breaks in. Walter, don't get ahead of me. And uh, Walter's nodding his head. And he breaks in, and when he breaks in, he starts to kind of go around the room, and he's looking. He's got a dim flashlight, and he hears a voice. And the voice says, Jesus is watching you. And he panics. And he begins to look around the room and he sees a parrot in the corner in a cage. And he walks over to the cage and the parrot goes, Jesus is watching you. The man kind of chuckles and he begins to put things in the bag. And as he's going to leave out with his backpack on his back, the parrot says one more time, Jesus is watching you. And as he goes to climb out the window, he hears a low growling. And the man turns around, and when he turns around with the flashlight, he sees these bright green eyes and this nice, shiny set of teeth. And it's the man's Rottweiler. And the parrot says, Sick him, Jesus. <laughs> now, I tell you this, because even though God sees everything that we do, and knows us in our heart, he's not out to get us. See, there's some in the world that would tell you that God, if he exists, is not a God of love. Because love, apparently, is absent of discipline. Don't try to tell my parents that. Don't try to tell me that. Because I love my son, but if I let him do everything, and he's seven months old, if I let him do everything, well... He would have already probably crawled off the bed and rolled down the stairs and wound up in the cabinet somewhere he shouldn't have been. And too, one day he tried to crawl out the front door. But, and again, he's seven months old, but I love him so that I want to protect him and I want him to know 
that he's not alone. So the Lord looks down and he sees all of the children. God sees his creation. See, God is watching. The way that we react to each other, the way that we respond to one another, God sees everything. The things that we don't do or say, God sees. God sees the wicked. So, you know, God isn't just concerned with us. And that should bring us hope. Because there are some things in life that we can't answer. And there's some things in life that I'm here to tell you as a boy in seminary, they don't give you the answer to. Because they don't know it either. And I went to seminary thinking with these questions in my head, and I thought, I'm going to go to seminary, and they're going to give me all the answers. So I had my list of questions. Now I have a list, lists, multiple lists of questions. And, and what I jokingly told my wife one evening is I said, I've realized that behind every answer to the questions I had was three more questions waiting to be answered. Because I can never know everything. But I can know the one who holds everything and who created everything. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. God is the judge. Now that doesn't mean that if I was to walk out here and behave in a manner that is unchristlike that you couldn't speak into my life. You need to correct me. Because you know whose flock I belong to. I ask that you correct me. I also ask that you encourage me. Because this isn't a scapegoat. God is not a free-all. We can just behave how we want and do what we want because God is love. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. My grandfather was a very strong individual. He loved to say that the doctor told him he was strong as, as an ox. Apparently he'd been telling him that since he was five, uh, all the way till he was 89, uh, that he was strong as an ox. In fact, um, he got put in the hospital about three weeks before he passed away due to some complications to a surgery, but he was still cutting his grass. In fact, he told the nurses that he had to leave after his surgery because he had to go cut his grass. And when they told him he would not be strong enough, he said, you can ask my doctor, he tell you I am. Um, but in all of his strength, his body failed, and he went home to be with the Lord. The war horse is a false hope of salvation. By its great might, it cannot be rescued. We can have all the right things to say. We have all the right knowledge, all of the wisdom, all of the commentaries, all of the research but ultimately 
that's not going to save us or benefit us for eternity. Here's the hope that we do have. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. We don't have to be strong enough because God is the one which our strength comes from. The problem in the garden wasn't that Adam and Eve weren't strong enough. That was an issue. But the problem is that they took their eyes off of God. See, we, we look at that story and we look at the, the moment where all of a sudden their eyes are open and they realize, oh, we can eat of the tree. See, it, it's not necessarily the fact that, oh, you mean I can eat of it? No, that wasn't what tripped them. You remember what, what they were told? You will be like God. That's what God. Not that all of a sudden, oh, I can partake of this, because I'm, I'm here to tell you if he was, uh, Pastor Matt was talking of this earlier with uh, some others about uh, clams and oysters. I wouldn't touch them. I don't like them. I just, I, I just can't. I've tried them all kind of different ways, and I just I can't get behind it. But if you told me, if I ate an oyster, that I could have... We'll just go with a 2018 GMC Sierra luxury package. Well, serve it up. You can fry it, half shell it, do whatever you want to do to it. I'll hold my nose and swallow it. We'll be fine. But the reality is, is that that's not going ever happen. Now we don't just fail because we fail. We fail because we take our eyes off of God and we rely on our own strength but have hope because God is always watching over us. See, the other part of that story that many of us know is at the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, rather, at the end of Genesis chapter 3 in verses 20 through 21, we see where God fashions clothing, he slaughters. He kills for his children and fashions for them clothing to hide their shame. Not, he didn't just do this because he's like, man, those leaves are really out of fashion. He did this because of his understanding and his knowledge and his wisdom of who we are. He doesn't just see our problem and go, Mr. Fix-It. Because if that was the case, everything that we think we need to fix our problem, we get. But God knows better for us what we need over what we want. See, if we jump to verse 8, uh, or not verse 8, I'm rather, in verse 10 of Psalm 33, we see this proclamation. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. I don't know about you, but I like to make plans. 
I'll make these wonderful plans and I'll have it all laid out and I'll show it to my wife like I'm proud of what I did. Look at my little baby I made and just put it out there for her. And then something goes terribly wrong and I go crazy. And I'm pretty much useless at that point. Just lock me in a room. Let me have my moment. Y'all fix it. I'll be okay. I'll come back out. But I panic inside. This isn't what I planned. This isn't what I wanted. Happens with conversation all the time. Because people are as unpredictable as me. And God doesn't... I I love here when it says, He frustrates the plans of the people. See, it kind of makes it seem like God is actually just getting there and stir, stir the trouble. Like, oh, guys, watch this. This is going to be fun. No, that's, that's what I do to students. Um, but that's not what's happening. See, I get frustrated when I don't understand something. Just like when Ava passed. I was frustrated because I didn't understand. I wasn't mad at him. I wasn't angry at him. I was just frustrated. In all of my strength, 30 years old, six foot tall, I consider myself to be fairly strong. And I can't do anything like that horse. I got nothing. I might as well just sit here. But listen to verse 11 and 12. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is Lord, the people whom he's chosen as his heritage. Walked into church one morning, not here, but with another church family, and I walked in service. And I walked in one particular door because I'm predictable. And I walk in the door, and there was our door greeter because they too were predictable at this particular church. And so I see Mr. Bob, and he hands me this folded piece of paper, and he hands it to me. And I take it, and he said, read that sometime, come back next week, let me know what you think. I said, I would love to. Took it, took it home, read it. And it was this story and a testimony of this young man who went off to war in World War II and talks about his addiction to alcohol, addiction to women. It goes through this story and just this testimony of how God transformed his life after he came back, after his children wrote him off. And all of these things happened. And there was a moment in his life where he stopped and he listened. He just wandered into a church and uh, realized he needed to go to church because he remembered it from when he was a boy. So he wandered in a church revival and found the Lord. And from then, God changed his life. And I get, and I I'm just thinking, man, this is a great testimony. I'd love to meet this guy. And then I get to the end, and I realize that it's the man who handed me the piece of paper. But I was confused because I knew him as Robert, not as Bob. And I get back to church, and I handed him that piece of paper. He was 92 at the time. He's still doing well, and we're still friends. And I handed him the piece of paper. And I I looked at him, I said, sir, thank you for sharing that with me. And he said, it's no problem. That was the moment where he turns and he looks at another 
man, and he says, hey, Clyde, one of those other gentlemen's names, he said, Clyde, come meet my friend. And I looked at him and said, I'm your friend. I'm, that's, that's weird. And he goes, what, you got a problem with my age? And I said, no, sir. But we saw each other every Sunday morning. And every Sunday morning, he stopped me to have a word and a conversation. And he shared about successes and failures, about how God has changed his life and impacted his life, was impacting his family. Honey, did he have 18 grandchildren and like 19 great-grandchildren, some, some crazy number? Um, he said that he wanted me to meet his family, and I said, I don't have a lifetime. Um, But to him, he knew that the same God that I loved was the same God that he loved. And that the same life-changing salvation that I had was the same that he had understood. Because it was nothing that him him or I had ever done. But it was what God had done to transform both of us to be in the same family of the same mind. And of the same air. So God is watching. God is watching over us. Verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. That he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. God is watching us. God is watching over us. And we should be watching for God. I had a conversation just yesterday evening. Actually, one of our church members. And we were talking about those moments in life when God gets your attention. And let me tell you, there were a lot of times God tried to get my attention before he actually got it. There have been moments even in some of my family's life, some of my family who aren't believers. They'll talk about something happening and they'll go, Yeah, I just don't really know what that's about. And I'm going, I do. Listen. And then I tell them, and they're like, oh, that's cute. Because I can tell them all day long. And I can tell them until I'm blue in the face. But until they come face to face with the understanding of who God is, they won't be verse 20. They won't wait for the Lord. They just wait for the end. They wait for the next day. Because their hope is in nothing. pastor this morning was talking about the hope that we have in Christ. And I have it written here. God hit me in that moment. To have hope as we have is to have confidence of the end result. 
To have hope in Christ is to be hopeful of what's going to come. It will happen. There's no question in my mind that it's going to come because if I had any question, then my soul couldn't wait on anything because I'm not sure it's even coming. To have hope is to have confidence of the end result. And to be hopeful is to desire confidence in the midst of uncertainty. I'm not hopeful in the Lord. I have hope in Jesus Christ. Because I know that he is coming. Because he is my help and my shield. And I can point back in my life to moments where I know that I know that God was watching. I know moments where he was watching and then he came in and protected me. And I know moments where he just simply watched. Because there was a lesson for me to know and wisdom for me to gain. Pastor has talked of it often recently that we in life, regardless of our circumstance, come into suffering. It's a 100% chance. I'm not a, I'm not a weatherman, so you can trust me when I say it. There's a 100% chance that in this lifetime we will come into suffering but there's a 101% chance that God is still with us in every trial, in every struggle, in every question. It goes without question that he is with us. So how do we do this? How do we hold on to that hope? How do, how do we always have that hope? We go to the where. See, God is watching. God is watching over us. And we should be watching for God. Not only in what he's trying to teach us and show us, but also for his promise of his return. You know, as, even as a, a young pastor, I still often find myself getting caught up in my studies and just in my day-to-day. -day. And I forget that in just a second, what I'm doing right there in that moment could matter this much. Because once he comes back, he doesn't have to ask me to stop. I'm just going to stop. So with that understanding, what do I do? I cling to the hope that I have in Christ. And I seek every day to love my family in his name, to love my neighbors in his name, and to love complete strangers in his name. Because there was one time where I was a complete stranger to him. There was a time where I turned my back and walked away from him. And I said, I'm going to be like that horse. I'm going to hold on to my own salvation, my own end. Because you have nothing for me. And he just simply looked and smiled and said, I'll be here when you turn around. So as we go this week, as tomorrow is Monday, for many people, Mondays are the terrible day of the week because, ah, oh, we've got to go back to work. <laughs> I knew I'd get a few amens there.
But tonight when we leave, we can take them the hope that makes Monday just seem like another day. Because for me, and my hope stays constant every day. Some days harder than some? Absolutely, no question. Do I struggle like everyone else? Ask Matt, absolutely. I come in some days with a smile, and some days he's got to come in and give me an encouraging word, as I do with him, as we should do with everyone. But that is part of God's love. It's part of being in God's family. So as we go this week, as we close, let us always be aware that God is watching. God is also, and is watching, he's also watching over us. And that we should always be expectantly watching for God. And oh, may he catch us serving him. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. God, thank you that our salvation has nothing to do with us. God, thank you for your love that has remained the same since day one. For on the seventh day, God, you didn't rest because you were tired. You rest because you were pleased. You looked down at creation. You said it was very good. God, thank you for being our Father. And God, we thank you and acknowledge that you love being our Father for all of our foolishness, for all of our rebellion. God, you still love us the same. God, ultimately, thank you for Christ the ultimate sacrifice, God, that which has allowed us reconciliation and relationship again with you, right relationship with you. God, we pray that you be with each of us as we go forward this week. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.